Today is Tuesday, February 14th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. A revival at a university in Kentucky. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe. Don't forget to leave a rating. Share it with a friend. You can email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. It's myself, Billy Hallowell, and Trey Gons Phillips. Trey joining me now. Billy, I think he is off skiing today. <laughs> or maybe he's just got some Valentine's activities going on. We don't we don't know. We're not we'll never sure. Know. Billy's a mystery. That's that's what we love about him. <laughs> <laughs> I maybe no, the story I, is he just he just did not have he maybe he got decaf by accident and he just didn't make it. You know, he's just not that's awake. That's true. That's true. Yeah, not enough coffee uh, <laughs> yesterday, and certainly not enough coffee this morning. So he just couldn't pull it together. Couldn't I don't pull know. it together. But look, I am on week three of congestion <laughs> from being t- sick. I can hear it, and I and everybody I'm certain can hear it. And I am just—it's always worse in the mornings too. Worse in the mornings too. And I am just—yeah, I'm here to say it's no fun. It's so. unfortunate. We're praying for that to subside. As my. My death cough from COVID as well, which uh, <laughs> thankfully I have a mute button here, so I can spare you all from it. But right, right. Uh, yes, these lingering illnesses, any prayers uh, would well, be appreciated. You know, it, makes me, it makes me feel for the allergy sufferers oh, that'll yeah. start to feel it in the next few weeks when spring starts to roll around. My yeah. brother has bad allergies. I don't, but I'm feeling I'm feeling his pain right now. I don't have it either, but um, I can I can imagine it's it's not fun. So definitely, yeah, no, not at all. Definitely praying that subsides soon. But what do we <laughs> what do we have coming up on the focus story? Yeah, so Idris Elba, he's obviously a super well known actor. He's in a show called Luther, and then also he's been tossed around as a potential new James Bond uh, in the future when uh, Daniel Craig steps mm-hmm. down. So, but anyway, he's making some interesting comments about ethnicity and our culture's focus mm-hmm. on race so yeah. we'll talk about that yeah all right it sounds good and it, what he's the one that isn't he in um the marvel movies too isn't he the bifrost guy that's up at the uh he might be i feel awful i should know this and i don't know this uh, yeah i mean look i don't i don't know all the i don't know i'll double check i'll google and see it if, i'll google it and right. we can okay. come back all to right. it yeah yeah definitely definitely all right and on the this is a long tease i'm sorry we apologize <laughs> but uh also on the main thing coming up you know, we've got division over our police officers, and there's been calls for defunding the police. Well, there's a new program coming from Ohio that educates, trains, and recruits quality police officers that could become a national model. Madison Seals has more on that on the main thing. But first, we are going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And a revival is taking place on the campus of Asbury University in Kentucky. Their uh, college newspaper there reports that during a call to confession last week, at least 100 people bowed at the altar and fell to their knees and turned to God. And since then, it's turned into a Holy Spirit outpouring that shows no signs of stopping. And for days, people can keep going. They're giving their testimonies, they're reading scripture, worshiping and praying. And students, professors, and local church leaders have all taken part and the senior editor of the student-run website wrote an article published on February that said, as a senior, I've never witnessed anything like this here. Rescue crews continue to search for more survivors, including entire families from toppled buildings, despite diminishing hopes as the death toll has surpassed 33,000 in that earthquake in Turkey and Syria. Dramatic rescues were being broadcast on Turkish television, including one of a 12-year-old girl 
who was saved and followed by both of her parents. Earlier, a family of five was rescued from uh, a mound of debris. And teen girls are experiencing record high levels of sadness and violence, according to a new report published Monday by the CDC. Those are just some of the day's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNnews.com. Uh, Trey, a couple things here I wanted to go through real quick. Um, first, on the uh, uh, rescue crews that are searching, you can you can follow Chris Mitchell from CBN, our our bureau chief out, chief out there in Israel. He has been he's in Turkey now. If you missed our um, prayer event online over the weekend with Billy and Chris and Andrew from CBN. Uh, they prayed for everybody there. They talked about how you can help. They showed you. Chris walked around. You can get a s- sense of what what it's like there on the ground. Just very, very sad stuff, but um, oh, incredible, incredible reporting. You can see that over on the CBN News uh, channel and the YouTube page uh, and everything else. And this teen study, Trey, from the CDC, 57% of teen girls in 2021 reported feeling, quote, persistently sad or hopeless over the past year. That's up 36%, up from 36% in 2011. Sorry, so so basically a 21% increase, which is a massive increase yeah. from 36% to 57%. That's the highest rate seen in the last decade. Only 29% of teen boys reported feeling persistently sad or hopeless. They only had an 8% increase uh, over the last decade, um, and LGBT students apparently had high levels of sadness and hopelessness in 2021. That was 69% and 78%. And so those are obviously enormously high numbers, and about 30% of teen girls said they seriously considered attempting suicide. That's up from 19% 10 years ago. So really alarming numbers there. Yeah, no, I think it's... It's heartbreaking the 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 effect that social media has had on particularly younger generations because like when I was younger if you were bullied uh, when you went home the bullying was over at least until the next the next day but now I think there's because of the the social media era that we live in yeah. you're bullied at school and then you go home and you're bullied on Facebook Messenger and on Instagram Messenger and, and all of this stuff. So there, there's really no break from from your social right. atmosphere, whether it's good or bad. Uh, and then also Instagram in particular, they kind of incentivize the comparison game. And I don't want to blame. Right. I don't want to blame social media. It's like I don't want to blame video games for when people go out and right. act violently. Right? right. That's that's not the the point I'm making. But I do think social media incentivizes our worst instincts as human beings. I think if you want to see how a person is going to behave, put them behind the wheel of a car or put them behind an anonymous social media account. Yeah. And you'll see what their, their basest instincts are. So, and I think that's what we're seeing play out. And interestingly, meta Facebook and Instagram's parent company, they've done internal research on this particular issue with Instagram and teen girls for years. Uh, and they've been seeing these really alarming numbers, and they've faced a lot of backlash. I believe it was in 2020, maybe 2021, uh, faced a lot of backlash for having been aware of how it was negatively impacting their younger female users and really not doing anything to combat it. Again, I don't know how much responsibility we need to put on the social media platform and how much should fall to the teen or especially to the teen's 
parents, right? Yeah. Is, is you should be monitoring more what your kids have access to. It, it's really interesting because I, I'm wondering if we're heading to a time. I mean, we don't let people under what 21 smoke. I don't smoke, so yeah. I don't really know the age off the top of my head, but I think it's 21. Same thing with drinking. We recognize these things as not healthy for younger individuals. I wonder at some point, are we going to recognize this for social media? Because to your point, yes, the, I don't like using the video game example either because millions and millions and millions of people use video games and don't harm someone, right? So yeah. I don't know how valid that is. But something like sadness to me seems a little different because it's a lot easier to just feel sad or compare yourself, you know, and you're not taking the leap of going out and committing an act of violence. You just internalize it, um, yeah. which is way, uh, I think, a much easier bridge to, you know, cross or a, 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 a gap to span or whatever the saying is. You know, it's it seems more plausible that that could be a direct correlation, although I don't know how you prove that exactly, but it seems like, okay, we look at 10 years ago and what's the difference? There's There's all yeah. these different kinds of avenues on social media, I mean, people barely knew about Facebook in 2011. Maybe Twitter was just kind of getting started out. But now all, and certainly not young people were, I mean, I guess Facebook started out as a college thing, right? But Right, yeah. But it's still, even in its early days, the young people had it, but it wasn't like the way it is now. It's just not where it's careers, it's everything else. So um, very, very concerning to see this. But But again, I wonder, are we going to see a time where younger kids maybe they put an age limit on some of these things well, or do they just not care yeah i mean but utah it was earlier this month actually just introduced a bill uh to limit uh, the age that you, you can't access social if this were to pass in utah you wouldn't be able to access social media until you're 16 years old uh so which honestly that's probably even too young it should probably be yeah. 18 if you're going to actually combat this issue because 16 you're kind of in the middle of of all kinds of uh, of stuff that i think it's still a problematic age. So, but I also think a lot of this has to do with pornography, right? It's something that you can't really, I think you can't separate from, yep. from all of these issues because younger and younger people, there's no limit on pornography. You're supposed to be 18 years old when you access it, but who's actually doing that? There's nobody monitoring that or requiring you to put any documentation right. in uh, about your age. So young girls are seeing pornography and they're thinking, this is how I should act. And this is what I need to look like. And young boys are seeing pornography and thinking, this is how I need to be treating girls, uh, which is oftentimes violent or at the the very best dismissive and, and kind of objectifying. Um, and there was a study not that long ago, I believe it was last year, that, that came out that the average age for females in particular sending naked photos of themselves to their peers is seven and eight years old. Uh, so we're we're getting to a really, really problematic place as a culture because I don't think it's just social media. I think it's the way we're communicating over the Internet mm -hmm. with, with one another. Yeah, oh, 100%. And it's concerning all the way around and something that I think parents need to be aware of. And look, I don't like the big government solution to just say, let's just make the government come in and ban things. Like I, it is a combination of things, but uh, at some point um, we got to take a serious look at this because we are a pioneer generation right now right. being raised up on this stuff. We just don't know the long-term effects because it hasn't been out for very long. I mean, you have the, probably the very first generation of kids that are what now entering college that have had this stuff their entire lives. Like, right, in their laps since birth. Yeah, right. And and so, I mean, we're so early on this. You just don't know. 
And how do you quantify these things? It's very difficult to do anyway. So um, I don't know. It, it just It's something we need to keep looking at and just not take for granted, which I think, unfortunately, we just, you know, people enjoy social media, so they don't want to talk about um, the downsides or the negative impacts. So hopefully, um, hopefully we do, though, because uh, it's certainly important. All right, we're going to head into our next story now. And we, and I think... Am I, was I right, Trey? Idris Elba? You were. Is, uh, I, yes. I was, I was about to say, I looked it up. He was a, a Heimdall, I think is yes. his name. He's a villain in the Thor movies, so you were right. What? Is he, I don't know if he's a villain. Or not a villain, but like a, the an side antagonist. He, he's, he, yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's the guy at the Bifrost thing, the thing that looks through all okay. the universes. So not a bad guy. Yeah, no, I think he was all right, good Idris, guy. Idris, sorry. We, I like, we misrepresented you. You're a good guy. Uh, yeah, you're a good guy. You're a good guy. So All right, so... <laughs> All of that aside, he made some interesting comments about race. What did he have to say? Yeah, so he was recently interviewed by Esquire UK, and he told the magazine that people are obsessed with race, which he argued can, quote, really hinder people's aspirations and growth. Uh, He did say that it's good to discuss racism, obviously, and the evils of racism, and and said that I'm not saying that you shouldn't talk about that issue Mm -hmm. at all. Uh, But he said, quote, from my perspective, it's only as powerful as you allow it to be. I stopped describing myself as a black actor when I realized that it put me in a box. Mm -hmm. We've got to grow. We've got to. Our skin is no more than that. It's just skin, he said. Wow, that's really interesting comments. And uh, what, what kind of motivated him to say it? So the media for obviously the media is always obsessed, it seems like, with with race and skin color and ethnicity. That's anything that that divides culture seems to be the the go to focus for so many in the mainstream media, which is unfortunate. But as as it pertains to Idris Elba, for years, uh, they've been describing him as a black actor, especially when it comes to speculation that he could be the next James Bond. If you Google Idris Elba and 007, almost every story, either the headline or the lead paragraph of the story, focuses on the fact that he would be the first man to uh, first black man to portray uh, James Bond. And I think he's just kind of he's grown a bit weary of that characterization, particularly since he's decided on his own. I'm no longer going to celebrate or describe myself as a black actor. I just want to be an actor. He's good at what I do. Uh, I don't want. And he said too. I didn't get into acting uh, because I was like, oh, there are no black men in acting who are A-list actors, so let me be that that man. He said, I got into acting because it looked like an incredible profession and something that I could be good at, and I happen to be black. Uh, yeah. He said, that's not that's not the focus, nor should it be. Yeah, it is. I, I agree that it sort of diminishes his accomplishment. Like, oh, wow, it's it's almost like this mode, like what? Why is that amazing that that a black yeah. person can do X, Y, and Z? It almost sort of diminishes, or it's almost degrading, uh, in a way. But but on this, it's like this weird dynamic that we're in, Trey, where you it is important to talk about racism because racism is a sure. sin and racism is wrong, and racism does still happen. And so, as as di- as people with different melanin counts, we've had different experiences. Uh, in our lives. And so we need to talk about those. But the unifying factor in those things as Christians is the fact that we are one race, the human race. Yeah, we look a little bit different. And yes, let's talk about the areas where people who look different have been treated differently. But how do we unify? How do we how do we sort of come together and break that down? And that is to focus on our shared commonality as members of the human race under God, we're all sinners. We're all the same in that way. And we're all, um, 
you know, Christ died for us all. So those are the common things that we can unite on, but society wants to keep focusing on those things that, that take tear us apart. Yeah. And that was interesting. So he faced some backlash, of course, as, as you would mm-hmm. expect mm-hmm. Uh, for those comments. There are some media and people on social media also who are criticizing Uh, his decision to make the comments that he made to Esquire. Uh, He actually tweeted over the weekend something along that vein, not Christian, but suggesting that we shouldn't be focusing on what divides us. We should be focusing on what pulls us together. And he kind of jokingly, he said, uh, there isn't a soul on this earth that can question whether I consider myself a black man or not. (laughs) Uh, He said, but being an actor is a profession, like being an architect. They're not defined by their race. So again, he's kind of doubling down on our focus shouldn't be on the differences of our skin color because they're inconsequential uh, to in comparison to what what yeah. brings us together and what unites us. Hundred percent, and I think he's right. And I think I think where people get frustrated on the other side is that they'll say, "Yeah, but you just want to erase all of these wrongs that are happening and the racism that goes on." But I think we can have both of those things. I think we can sure, highlight yeah. racism when we see it, but then also not focus on race. You know. But right now we have like the two extremes. We have the one we have maybe one side who doesn't want to say anything about it, and then another side who just wants to make everything about race. And it seems like um, Idris here has maybe a better approach and a better idea on how to approach it. Yeah, no, I think it's important for people like Idris Elba, people who have a platform, right, to speak up and say because a lot of this is coming from the media world, the entertainment, Hollywood, like a lot of this. Uh, I don't know. I get, you could say woke just because that's kind of the term that we kind of use yeah. as the umbrella catch all for it. But this kind of thinking comes from a lot of those spheres. So I think it's important for people who have a platform, who have a, a sphere of influence themselves to speak up and say, look, there's a whole lot more that unites us than divides us. Mm-hmm. We need to stop making the divisive points, the things to focus on, because while it is important, like you said, to talk about the sin of racism or, or whatever it is, like whatever the issue is, it's important to talk about those and acknowledge that they exist. We don't want to sweep them under the rug. But I think the best way to move forward as a people is to focus on what brings us together because there's a whole lot more that unites us than divides us. And you get a hundred percent and you cannot, you can't heal anything. If you keep focusing on the things that tear us apart, if you keep focusing on those and keep going back to that, well, we're just going to keep staying apart. You're going to make people dig deeper in to um, ideologies and things of that nature. So All right, Trey, appreciate you bringing that one. We're going to move over to the main thing now. And another area where there's division and and people are fighting over is our police officers. There are some calling over the past few months or year to defund the police. Well, the state of Ohio is initiating a new program that educates and trains and recruits officers that could become a national model for other states to emulate. Madison Seals Talk to the man leading this piloted initiative in today's Main Thing. We live in a time when our police officers are under extreme scrutiny. Whether the problem is with a growing number of unjust deaths at the hands of police or the media neglecting to fairly cover the number of positive officer interactions, the death of George Floyd in Minnesota and recently Tyree Nichols in Memphis have put police in the spotlight. While our country is divided between calls for more or less funding for police, the state of Ohio is taking the lead in educating, training, and recruiting quality police officers in a program called the College to Law Enforcement Pathway, or CLEPP. 
Governor Mike DeWine established the Office of Law Enforcement Recruitment in 2020 and appointed Dr. Patrick Oliver to serve as lead consultant and director of the CLEPP program. And today, I'm joined by Dr. Oliver, who is the former Cleveland Chief of Police and current associate professor of the Criminal Justice Program at Cedarville University. Dr. Oliver, thanks for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Can you talk about how the CLEPP program came about and how it's different than the police training programs currently in place? Ohio Governor Mike DeWine established the Office of Law Enforcement Recruitment in 2020. And in the early months of that office, we did a survey of Ohio law enforcement agencies. And we wanted to know what challenges were they experiencing regarding the recruitment, selection, and retention of law enforcement officers. And they basically told us two things. Uh, first, they indicated that it is very difficult to recruit qualified candidates in law enforcement. And then second, it is even more difficult to recruit qualified minorities and women into law enforcement. So we got to thinking in the office, how can we help state and local law enforcement agencies in Ohio? And we determined that we can't run their selection process for them. But what we can do is identify a pool of qualified college students, and we can provide training for them. We can screen them and then make them available to hire by agencies who want to be involved in a pilot program. It's a two-year program. So you come in as a junior and you're in the program for two years, and then you get hired by one of the pilot agencies at the end of that two-year period. And so it's not a fast program. Okay. And you mentioned this a little bit, but the program started at a time when police departments were having difficulty hiring and retraining and retaining qualified police officers. And a study by the Police Executive Research Forum showed that police hirings are down nearly 4% since 2019, and that police departments are seeing about 23.6% more officer retirements and 42.7% additional resignations. Have you guys realized any of the reasons behind the declining number of officers? I think law enforcement is being so heavily criticized, and that's speculation to some degree on my part, mm -hmm. that it's becoming more difficult to get people and keep people. So law enforcement agencies, as you articulated, are being squeezed on both ends. There are more people leaving between one and 10 years on. There are more people once they're becoming retirement eligible that are leaving. And so it's, and there are more, less people that are qualified for the job. Sure. So I think one of the really inspiring parts about this initiative, because I know this is something that you're hoping catches on across the country, is that it's addressing the problem of police aggression in a positive way instead of a negative way. And by that, I just mean that you're putting more effort into educating future police officers about how to pursue justice correctly instead of pulling funding from departments, which was a pretty common reaction following the 2020 killing of George Floyd. But many, if not all, cities who proposed or implemented the defunding of police have since revoked them. Why do you think that it's more important to not take away funding from our police departments but to invest in them? Well, you have to invest in law enforcement officers because it's a very difficult job. Uh, it's a job that has a lot of components to it. In fact, the, the hiring process is very rigorous. Someone to get hired as a law enforcement officer, they have to fill out a personal history questionnaire, have a complete background investigation. Uh, a polygraph, a psychological, physical fitness testing, and medical. You know, about 5% of the people who apply for a police job can get through that hiring process. And so it's a very rigorous process, a demanding process, and one for only the best of individuals to become peace officers in the United States of America. Wow. So suppose a student successfully passes this rigorous program. 
what does a successful student in this program look like? And are there currently graduates and success stories that are serving in the force? It's kind of early to say how things are working out because our graduates from last year are, are just finishing their field training officers program. And so they're beginning to, they will be beginning to start to work independently in the coming months. But we're looking for people who have high moral character, who are good with people, who are service-oriented, that are team players, they've got a good work ethic, so they're performance-driven, and people who have self-control. And so they have to demonstrate that as a college student because they can only get in the program as an upperclassman, and they have to have a recommendation for a professor. And so we're looking for the right people who basically have high moral character. The law enforcement job is a character-based job. Yes, absolutely. And I think it says something about the quality of this program that it's being initiated at a Christ-centered Baptist university, which many may not know is Cedarville University. How does understanding biblical truth and Christian values inform the way these officers are trained to respect others, or does it? It does. In fact, the uh, six traits that I mentioned very quickly, things like character and service orientation and good human relations skills, team compatibility, being performance-driven, having self-control, every single one of them are biblical principles. And so you really need people who are have high moral character to do this job. And someone who's a committed follower of Jesus Christ should be the type of person that we're looking for in the law enforcement job. Yes, absolutely. And that's so great to hear that you're implementing those things through this program. And I know your goal is to make this a national model, and hopefully that's the case for other states to follow suit in. So Dr. Oliver, thank you for the work that you're doing in this field and for coming on the podcast today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, Madison, thank you so much for that conversation there on the podcast today. Really appreciate it. And that leaves us with time here for one last thing. So we're going to look at Philippians 2.3. It says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. I think, uh, particularly with that story we just uh, talked about with Idris Elba, uh, I think it's so important to realize, look, we're, we're, we're not that important. I think it's easy to be super self-important as human beings with yeah. our, our tendency to our pridefulness. We should just consider other people and, and value other people more. I think a lot of these really, really surface level issues kind of begin to fade away. Oh, hundred percent. And man, that honestly, that just made me kind of, it crystallized sort of in my mind as you were going through that verse, just how so many of, you know, with these viral videos we see people complaining about things going on, it's so self-focused. And we also just talked about the sadness. I mean, yeah. I think that lead thinking about yourself all the time and any wrong that's happened to you or any perceived wrong or oppression or something else that's going on if you just constantly dwell in that and ignore the goodness of god in your life regardless of how good or bad things are going for you from a worldly view it's just going to leave you miserable it's just going to leave you miserable you're always going to find something to moan about to complain about and that doesn't mean everything's going to be great in your life but where i'm inspired is when i see people that face suffering, face persecution, and still glorify God in the midst of it. And that's why it's inspiring, because they're pointing people to God in the midst of it, and that's what he wants us to do. So, all right, that's going to end it for the podcast today. Appreciate you being here, as always, Lord willing. And that creek don't rise. We'll be back here tomorrow with more. God bless. See you then.